Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. And so with that, we're actually launching our, you know, couple of week Christmas series. And today marks the start of that. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 1. I want to introduce to you some of the characters of Christmas, starting with John the Forerunner. I'm going to read this a little bit. Of course, you can see it there on the board as well, or at least we hope that you can see it. If you can't, you really ought to go see an optometrist. <laughs> starting in verse 5. And in the days of Herod, king of Judea, seriously, we got to get something that's not drunk. Just I'm going to throw this out there. <laughs> or maybe the anointing will rub off on me. In the spirit, that is, Kate said. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of, of Abia. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all of the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Verse 8. Now it came about, while he was performing his priestly service before God and the appointed order in his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him. How many of you know there's angels in here right now? The Bible says that angels are loosed to attend to us. You know, they're actually in here right now. It's not a strange thing. It's a normal phenomenon of the New Testament Bible. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. May they appear to us more frequently, Jesus. Standing to the right of the altar of incense, and Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. That's pretty specific. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. And, you will be, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many to the, of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit of, pow- of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Ooh, there is so much going on in that scripture. I think I would start us off with this. Who in the world is Zacharias and Elizabeth? (laughs) Who are these absolute nobodies? See, I'm just here to get you to think about stuff that we usually don't think about. Who who are they? Where did they come from? You ever hear anything prior to this verse? I don't remember reading anything. (laughs) Do you ever hear anything after? I don't have to ask Pastor Todd to be sure, but I don't think so. I think this is it. Who are these nobodies? Uh, To to my knowledge, you know, uh, Zacharias isn't a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee? A Pharisee was a, a religious sect of the time of Christ that was very influential. So he wasn't of this influential sect of uh, Judaism called, called the Pharisees. He wasn't a part of that, or Sadducees, their kind of counterpart. You know, he, he wasn't a part of the Sanhedrin. What's the Sanhedrin? Well, that was kind of like the Supreme Court. 
you know, so highly influential individuals making rulings over the land, the Sanhedrin, you know, uh, he wasn't a part of that. So who in the world were they? They were big, fat nobodies. They were big, fat nobodies who God decided to breathe on because they were faithful in the quiet place. Sometimes I'm concerned, sometimes we believe this lie that, man, we have to know the right people. You know, we have to be in the right, we have to be in the right circles. You know, we have to be born to a certain family. We have to be born in a certain area. We have to be, you know, born in the right city or in a city at all instead of Podunk. We have to, like, we have all of these clarifying things. Like, we're like, it has to be this, this, this. The, the, the right person in my life has to lay hands on me. And if these things don't happen, then I myself can't be influential in the kingdom. That I myself, like, unless the right person lays hands on me, then I can't be powerful for God. Like, I just, I've got to have Bill Johnson or Chris. Valentin, lay hands on me or bust. Like, like I need the anointing that's on their life, and it's just it's not going to happen unless those right people in my life do that. How many of you know that's a lie? That's an absolute lie. Like, you don't need to be born to a certain family. You don't need to be in the right circle of friends. You don't need to be an influencer on social media. You don't need to do all the stuff right. And you sure as heck don't need the right person to lay hands on you for you to be a powerful influencer in the kingdom of God. And I think that's what we begin to see. And sometimes we are so tempted to dismiss the small things in our life. Like, we're going like, like, oh... It's been 40 years of faithfulness, some of you. It's been 40 years of faithfulness, and I've still not seen X, Y, and Z. Like, I've woken up like almost every morning, and I've had my quiet times, and I'm, I'm intentional to, to try to, to, sh- to sharpen my life and to repent when things get broken and messed up. And I, like, I've been faithful, and here I am, like 40 years into it, and we have this tendency just to dismiss the regular disciplines of our life that usually are operating in the secret place, behind the scenes where nobody else is looking. It's like, I've been faithful with my resources, I've been, I'm not in debt. I'm generous. I'm a giver. I've been faithful behind the scenes. Nobody knows that. Let me, I'm, ter- I'm here to tell you, like, God knows it. Like, God sees you right where you are. And don't dismiss the simple disciplinary, like, uh, the simple disciplines in your life. They do bear fruit. The Father, God sees it. And our Bible tells us that he rewards what is done in the secret place. He sees it. He knows your faithfulness. He knows every time you bit your tongue when you could have wanted to say something different. He knows every time you were cut off in traffic and you reined her in. He knows every time you've repented. He knows, he knows everything about you. Every good and, and every bad thing. He knows it all. He's watching over your life to perform his will. He knows every decision. He knows every discipline. Don't dismiss it because he's not dismissing it. If we get nothing out of this example, we find out that there was nothing written about these folks before. And as far as I can tell, nothing written after. But we find out that God saw something in them that maybe nobody around them saw. God saw something in them. He saw them in the secret place. He saw them in their faithfulness. He saw them waking up in the morning and believing God for the promises. He saw them waking up and going after the scriptures and wrestling with it year after year and day after day. 
He saw them waiting, like in the waiting room with patience, waiting for the promises to be fulfilled in their life. He saw every bit of that. Now, maybe nobody else saw it around them. Maybe they weren't the most influential person in their community. You know, maybe they, maybe they weren't social media influencers. They didn't have a book written. You know, maybe nobody even knew who they were. They were like, Zacharias, who? Like, oh, I guess it's his time to do the priest thing. Yeah, get in there, buddy. Good game. Get her done. We don't know who you are, but, but it didn't matter, did it? Because God saw every bit of faithfulness, and he rewarded them for it, just as he's going to reward you. Matthew 6, 6 says, And when you pray, go into your inner room. When you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. He will repay you. Do you believe that this morning? For those of you who have been contending for promises for 40 and 50 years, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he's the God who will reward your faithfulness? Do you believe that he's the God who's not dismissing your lifetime of faithfulness? Because this is what the word says. You know, I, I, wonder, I wonder if Zacharias ever just felt like giving up. You ever, you ever think about this kind of stuff? Like, I just, see, let's, 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 I want to continue to give you the contextual frame here. You know, this was a priest, he and his wife were very old. He'd been praying probably for a lifetime to have children. So far, as of yet, didn't have the promise. Have you ever prayed for something for so long that you got to a point where you thought, well, it's impossible now? I wonder if you ever felt like giving up. I wonder if like, at any point in the journey he was like, what am I doing here? Why do I keep doing this every day? I, I, I open up the scriptures, I read the promises, I do the best that I can to apply it to my life, but man, that's like, at the moment, there's just no luster on it. Like, I just don't even feel like doing it. I've been contending for these promises for all these years. It doesn't look like it's going to be fulfilled. Like, I wonder at some point he woke up and he was like, man, I just, oof, I just don't even know if I could continue to do it. Anybody ever felt that way? Another thought I've had is, I, 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 wonder, I wonder if this is moment, and I, and I wonder if you've had that in here, right? This, this moment where you kind of go, where am I? Especially if you're military. I hear this from you guys all the time. Where are we again? Can somebody bring up the map? Like, like, like Warrensburg, Missouri? And, and I just, I wonder, I wonder sometimes if people are asking themselves, like, can I, can I change the world from Warrensburg, Missouri? This remote cow town, you know, far enough outside of Kansas City to be unknown. <laughs> yeah, Mule Town. Can I really change the world from Warrensburg, Missouri? And you know, it echoes the sentiment that was described even over Jesus Christ himself. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, even that just it reminds us that Powerful people can be birthed in the, what seems maybe like the backside of nowhere. If this is your Nazareth this morning, 
and you've been feeling like, man, I, I don't know that I'm seeing the results. I just, I, I've got a lifetime of faithfulness, and maybe your lifetime's just a couple of years, but it feels like a long time to you. And you're tempted to give up, or you're tempted to believe this lie, like, I can't, I can't change the world from Wardsburg. I'm here to tell you that Zacharias did, that Jesus did, that God rewards faithfulness in the quiet place when nobody else is looking. This Zacharias and Elizabeth, they changed the course of history. Literally changed the course of history. Here's what I find interesting, though. Zacharias, his faithfulness was rewarded with a child. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm like, I just got ripped off. God bless my kids, but I want to change the world in my generation. Like, you know, you, like, you go, you change the world. That's, that bless you, change the world. I want you to change the world, but I want to change the world too. And we, we find a lifetime of faithfulness in Zechariah. What was his reward? He gave birth to John the forerunner. He himself was not the forerunner, but he gave birth to John who would be. Can I just submit to you that Elizabeth and Zacharias have no lesser call than John, whom Jesus called the greatest prophet who ever was. Like Elizabeth and Zacharias, they have, they, have, they have no lesser call. And listen, they have no lesser fruit. See, when Jesus looked down, and how many of you know he's literally roaming around, he's pacing the floor of heaven looking for someone who he can show himself strong on. And as he's pacing, he's looking, he's like, I found a couple. I found a couple in this obscure place that nobody knows about, that they have, they have no name, but they've got a name to me. They've been faithful in the quiet place, and I'm about to pour out the answer to the prayer he's been contending a lifetime for. I'm about to pour this thing out. I'm about to release this child who will literally run before the one who will save everyone. He will open up the gates for the transition in testament to the change of literally everything as we know it. Now, you think God was flippant about who he chose? Ah, anybody will do. You probably got some neighbors. You're like, mm, they would not do. They would not work out. They would not. I've asked them to move that old jalopy from their front yard. They will not do it yet. <laughs> and the other one's selling crack out of his basement. You know, they probably, no, God wasn't flippant about who he chose. So what does that mean? That means he saw something in their faithfulness that he was now rewarding by allowing them to be a part of the most incredible historical season of all of earth, at least up till that point. Their faithfulness was rewarded through the birth of a son who they'd been contending for. I know that not all of you are parents, but I would submit to you that this thing called parenting is kind of a big deal. I think sometimes we, we feel like it's maybe not, you know? In some ways, it's like it has this gravity to it. In other ways, we just kind of feel like Man, and, and, and I just want to say, if you're going through the motions in your parenting, I want you to remember this story. I want you to remember this story. Because Elizabeth and Zacharias, see, they were raising up a world changer. They were, they were stepping into history. They were, God knew that they would raise this child exactly as he ought to be raised, such that he would make the choices to step into his calling, fully equipped to be, in fact, the forerunner of Christ. 
He knew when he chose this couple that that's how they would raise this child. And I guess I would ask you, what kind of world changer are you raising up today? Because you're raising world changers. You may not feel like it. And I'm sure it didn't feel like it to them when they had spit up on their shoulder and the, you know what I mean? They're having to change diaper. Well, I don't know, di- well, they probably had some kind of diaper, some sort of something nasty. They didn't have pampers yet. You know, like I'm sure it didn't feel like they were getting ready to change the world. I'm sure it didn't feel like they were being rewarded for their faithfulness when they're like, it's 2 a.m. Can we just get some sleep? But I would ask you, who are you raising? Because they're world changers. See, Jesus, God sees our life as bigger than our life. Did you know that? Like our little piece of the puzzle like doesn't complete the narrative that God's beginning. He's actually a God of legacy. He's a God of generations. And you see that here. You see this man who for a lifetime is faithful to contend for the promises of God. And God says, I see that one. I see what he's doing. I see that faithfulness. And I'm doing something that will transform the planet through the generations that he births. I'm doing something powerful in this one. It may not look like you think it's supposed to look, but I'm releasing something powerful on the earth through you. I'm releasing legacy because you've been faithful. Your life is more than just the sum of your little circle. It's way bigger than you understand, and God sees it from his vantage point. And you may have a John the Baptist you may have a John the Baptist at home, you know, a fiery prophet. You may you have no idea what you've got, but God charges you to be faithful in it, and he will reward your faithfulness as you create a legacy because a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children and his children's children. Come on. Somebody give me an amen. A righteous man leaves an inheritance. Who are you raising today? Anybody know who Billy Graham's parents are, by the way? What are their names? So nobody? Yeah, so literally nobody? I'm going to shame you because, listen, I already know. I didn't know it at all. No, I didn't know it. But isn't that the point? Here's the thing. Billy Graham's parents got the fruit, the reward of Billy Graham's ministry. Why? Because they were faithful in the quiet place. And God said, I'm going to do something powerful that's going to affect the generations. They were rewarded for their faithfulness and their diligence. And so too will you. It's not too late to get started. Maybe you're empty nesting. Good, get after it. They still need a mama and a papa. You know, maybe, maybe you've already made some stupid decisions and you've got teenagers at home and they're not really responding well. That's Okay. It's not too late. It's not too late. Begin to intercede for those little hearts. You know, begin to stay up late at night and speak to their spirit as they sleep. God will reward your faithfulness. Don't throw out everything just because you made a couple of mistakes. By the way, we're talking about Zacharias who stood before the angel Gabriel and was like, wait, what? What, do you, what did you say? I don't even know. I'm old. I don't even know that that's going to happen. He was like, and now you're mute. How do you like that? Right? Did he do everything right? No. And, but yet God was like, these people are blameless and perfect before the law. Comprehend that just for a second. They're blameless. They're perfect before the law. They've fulfilled every commandment before me. They're righteous in my eyes. 
And then here he was like, wait, what? You said what? I mean, I know you're an angel and all, but maybe you got the wrong, like, can you go back and see, just double check your notes? You, you may have this thing wrong. So don't even think for a second that you have to be perfect in this journey. But you know, this kind of brings us to the next point of what kind of nags me about this story. The Bible is very clear that Zacharias and Elizabeth were perfect and blameless. By the way, the Bible now lets you know that it was possible in the Old Testament. Oh, there's another message. You know, the law wasn't dangled as this ever unattainable carrot. Was it meant to lead them to Christ? Yes. Was it meant to expose sin? Yes. But we see people, you know, the Apostle Paul was one of them, who were blameless before God. Here's what bothers me about it, though. The Old Testament, the law tells us what kind of reward comes for those who are actually able to walk in God's ways. Look at this with me in Deuteronomy. Starting in verse 1, verse, uh, chapter 28, excuse me. Now it shall be that if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you, and they will overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Okay, so it's clear he's about to enumerate a number of blessings that would come to those who are blameless under the law, right? Who are we talking about now? We're talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth. And what did it say before we could look back? That they were blameless, that they had fulfilled the commandments of the Lord. They had done everything that he had required of them. It goes to no, like it goes to great lengths to make sure that we understand that on the onset. Okay, here are the, some of the listings of the blessings that would come upon those like Zacharias. Verse 4 it says, of the same chapter, uh, blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beasts and the increase of your herd and your young of your flock. Fast forward to verse 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity and the offspring of your body. Prior to that, we have Exodus 23, 26, and it says there'll be no barren among you. So what the heck is the problem? <laughs> These blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Those who are righteous before me, who are fulfilling the law... These things will come upon you. There'll be no barren among you. You will be blessed in your bodies. You will be able to procreate. We're dealing with a family who for a lifetime now have prayed these prayers before God, but at the end of their life, when they're old and crusty, <laughs> you're welcome for that one. <laughs> when they're old, this promise is as of yet unfulfilled in their life. What's going on here? Well, God's not a man that he should lie. We have the scripture that says what it says. You know, there's another scripture. It's out of Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some consider slowness. It goes on basically to describe how God is actually strategic in the execution of his will in your life. But listen, if I'm 60 plus years old, been praying my whole life for a baby... It kind of feels like God's being a little slow about his promise. <laughs> it kind of, like, like, what are we doing here? Like, I've prayed my whole life for this promise to come to pass. Your word gives it to me. It's not like I'm going off of presumption. It's right there. You did it for so-and-so. 
I know that you're not a respecter of persons. If you did it for so-and-so, you'll do it for me, but I'm not even sure I want it anymore. Now I'm old. What's the deal? Have you ever felt like you had promises from God that were on perpetual delay? That wasn't rhetorical. You could have had a nod or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that. I think probably if you've walked with Jesus any time at all, you've had an opportunity to be discouraged. I think you've had an opportunity to kind of go, are you even here or not? Your word says this. My experience is this. I don't think you can see they're not matching up. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. You're just like, man, I've been, like, I'm, at the, I'm at the edge of burnout. I'm at the edge of giving up this thing. Like, I, I don't even know if I've got it in me to continue to press in for those things. I don't even know that I have the energy to, like, to deal with it once it comes. Like your word says this. Why are you not fulfilling your word? And can you see that that's exactly what's happening in this story? I want to submit to you this. Maybe, just maybe, the thing that qualified Zacharias and Elizabeth to birth birth the forerunner of Christ was their willingness to wait to see that promise fulfilled. See, here's, here's the thing I love about these guys. Like, it says that they were blameless and faithful. Even in the midst of extreme disappointment, even in the midst of questioning, like, what is going on? What do I need to do to like, get a few more followers on my Insta? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing these things. I, I, I still have no more influence. I, I don't know. Like, like, I'm praying these prayers. I... Maybe what qualified them was the waiting. Maybe what qualified them was their willingness to still bless God in the midst of their confusion in the midst of the turmoil that you know was in their heart. If you've ever tried to have kids, it took us longer than I ever imagined possible. And it creates some turmoil in there, doesn't it? Yeah. I just wonder if this is not what qualified them to birth the forerunner who would literally change everything. And I guess the question this morning is, You know, as we ponder this Christmas season, it's like, are you willing to wait? Are you you willing to, like, have you ever been in a doctor's office? And you're like, I got things to do, man. Like, it's been two hours. I'm still in the waiting room. Does anybody enjoy that? No, we, it's, it's horrible. Nobody wants to be in the waiting room ever. I want to be able to, like, check in and then, like, bam, like, there. And I don't even want to be, like, sometimes they, they cheat you. You're like, you're in there, but then it's like two hours and I'm sitting in that room. I'm like, well, what's the difference? You just cheated me. You, got, you had hope. I had a false hope. <laughs> Sometimes life can feel like that. Are you, are you willing to be in the waiting room with the right attitude? 
Are you, are you willing to kind of be like, like your word says this, my experience is this, I, I, I don't understand, but I'm willing to bless you, God. I'm willing to continue to be righteous before you. I'm willing to continue to execute your commandments. I'm willing to continue to, to refine my life until I look like you. I'm, I'm willing to live with mystery because I know my God is a good God. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're not a man that you should lie. I know that you're for me and not a against me and I'm willing to be in the waiting room even though I don't like it because I believe you God and even if I can't see and understand and what I'm contending for is laid up for future generations remember Hebrews chapter 11 it's the worst chapter in the Bible it's meant to be faith inspiring it's like so and so was amazing and contended for the promise and then they died and didn't see it and then the next guy died and didn't see it and then the next guy, he died, and he didn't see it. I'm like, what the heck? Heck, don't do that to me. How many of you know we are all going to die and not see it because it is immensely bigger than what we can understand or see? On some level, we're all going to die and not see it because what we are doing and building is generational. It's way bigger, way more powerful than what we understand. All of us fit this description, but... The hallway period is not so fun. Are we willing to wait on the Lord with the right attitude? Are we willing? Or are we the kind of people who are in the hallway accusing God? Yeah, but I, I thought you were good. See, we don't see that out of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Instead, we see people who were faithful for a lifetime despite what they saw with their natural eyes despite the unfulfillment, despite that point in their life where it began to look impossible for God to even show up. How many of you know he's the God of the impossible? They were willing to hold on. They were willing to be faithful. Are you willing to hang on? Are you willing to be faithful? Bill Johnson recently said, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a pastor, a senior leader in a church in Redding, California. He just lost his wife, Benny, to cancer. Now, they've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of people healed of cancer, you know? So it's like even worse. Everybody on the planet contended for her healing, and she went home to be with Jesus, which, by the way, is not the worst case. That's a pretty good deal. There's some days I'd like to shed this skin. <laughs> I mean that in the best way, you know? Bill stands in the pulpit, and he's like, you know, he said, God has a really good plan. He says, and how, I, how dare I question him? He's like, I'm not going to move into questions and accusations. I don't have to understand. I can live with mystery. How many of you know that that's the response that God's looking for? In the midst of, of disappointments, in the midst of, of delays, he's looking for people who will say, I know my God. And I don't have to know the details. I don't have to understand the delay. I don't, have to, I don't have to understand all of the variables. I know that my God is for me. I know he's moving. He's active. He's working right now. He's working with all of this stuff. I can't screw it up because I'm for him and he's for me. 
And I'm going to continue to contend. I'm going to continue to refine myself into the likeness of Christ. I'm going to continue to devote myself wholly to him rather than allowing my disappointment to bring the disconnection that the enemy is prowling around your life to try to insert. How many of you know a right view of God? We've talked about this is so critical because in the moment when it looks like we have unfulfilled prayers, when we're not seeing from his perspective, we're tempted to allow that to bring disconnection between his heart and ours. And God is looking for a people who will press past that into his heart and remain steadfast and faithful. And I'm here to tell you, God will reward you. He will reward you. Obviously, we see at the last part of Zacharias' life, whether he wanted a baby as an old man or not, he got one. Bless God. Thanks, Lord. You know best. <laughs> I got a, we had to watch a puppy this last week. I was like, Lord Jesus. Whew. Misty says, I'm too old for this stuff. I'm like, I got an eight-year-old who has more energy than 10 horses, you know, and now a puppy that's like, the good news is they were chasing each other. The bad news is neither one wore out. That's the bad news. I feel, for, I feel for this guy. Here's some questions in closing. Are we willing to trust when it looks, are we willing to trust God when it looks like there's no way forward? Are we willing to trust God when it looks like he's not fulfilling his promises? When we're delayed, when it doesn't look right, when we just can't conceive of a possible solution, are we willing to trust him? Number two, are we willing to let loose of our grip of what we think it's supposed to look like? See, if I was Zacharias, I'd be like, this is not what I, was, this is not what I prayed for. <laughs> Here's the other part. Elizabeth, it says, once she got the news that she was going to give birth, it says, oh, thank God, because basically she says, because all of the people in my community have been treating me poorly for all these years. Imagine that. You know, in that culture, they thought you were in sin. Like Deuteronomy 28, it's pretty clear. Here it is. If there's a blockage, the blockage is on you, girl. You need to get your life cleaned out. She bared the scar, the scrutiny of her public, but she was willing to do it and remained faithful to God in the midst of that trial. Think about that. That's no small thing. Are we willing to do the same? That's the question. Are we willing to let loose of our grip of what we think it's supposed to look like and trust God in the midst of what seems like blindness. Allow him to do whatever he wants. Number three, are we still willing to serve with our whole hearts despite things not working out the way that we think they ought to? See, that's what they did. They remained faithful despite their disappointments. I'm not going to leave the church. <laughs> Why would I leave the church? That pastor was mean to me. Why didn't I leave the church? Stay there and make it better. But those things never happened like I wanted to. Why are you going to leave the church? Are you willing to remain faithful for the long haul? Number four, are you willing to be faithful in the secret place? Even when no one's looking, when no one's giving you a cookie? <laughs> faithful in the secret place because faithfulness to God is its own reward like because he's God because he's worthy of that investment whether anybody sees it or acknowledges it or not like are you willing to to be faithful in the secret place and to humble yourself and to allow him to exalt you 
Because he will reward you. Are you willing to walk that out? Number five, will you be faithful to the assignment that you've been given, even if it's not as grandiose as somebody around you, so you think? Just a little reminder that for Zacharias, he wasn't the forerunner. He gave birth to him. I want to be the forerunner. I want to prophesy about Jesus. You also want to eat locusts and honey? You can keep that part. Man, have you ever looked at somebody else and you thought, I want that, I want, like, I wish that was. Like, are you willing to be faithful with what you've been given, with the talent that you've been given, without looking at somebody else and what they've been given, without somehow discounting what you've been given, thinking it's insignificant? I'm here to tell you, it's not insignificant. The enemy's been lying to you. As we ponder these events this Christmas season, I, I, I want you to think about this. At the, like, the most bleak moment, you understand what preceded John the Forerunner was what they call like 400 years of silence. It's like God wasn't really, I mean, he was still doing a little bit of something, something, but he wasn't like moving like what you saw before in the Old Testament. And so there was this like intertestament period where he seemed to be just kind of quiet. That's a long time to be faithful. But how many of you know in a moment, in a blink of an eye, God goes, and now, and then everything changed. (laughs) Are you willing to be faithful in this season? I want you to ponder this. Are you willing to be faithful this season, waiting and looking for the moment and the fullness of time where God literally rearranges everything and releases your promise because it happened, bam, just like that. And an angel shows up. By the way, you who've been barren for a lifetime, things are about to get real fun for you. <laughs> by the way, by the way, husband, shut it up. Bam. He comes, stumbles out. Everything just changed. God, who has been seemingly quiet, God, who has been seemingly delayed, just showed up in my life will never be the same. Are you willing to be faithful until he comes? That's what I want you to ponder this Christmas season. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we give our life to you. We give our lives to you. We lay it down. (laughs) And we declare today that you are faithful over your promises. You are faithful to watch over your word and our life to fulfill it. You're not a man that you should lie. And in the words of Chris Valentin, if it ain't good, you ain't done yet. (laughs) And we declare that over our lives and we choose to enter into rest this season knowing that it's going to be good. We will be faithful to you because you can't be anything but faithful to us, God. We lay these lives down and we say you're good no matter what. You're good no matter whether we understand it or not. And we yield our lives to you no matter where we are on the journey. We say, would you do something powerful in us, God? Would you make us the kind of faithful people who you see and go, oh, yeah, that's the one. I'm going to release power and love and authority and influence over that person. Would you make us that kind of people, God, such that we would garner your attention in that way? Make us those kinds of people, God. 
We yield our lives to you. We say, come do something powerful and something generational. Allow us to partner with you as people who you declared as righteous to leave a legacy to our children's children and our children's children, the blessing to a thousand generations. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.